When in the field, the student of dragonology should let neither the hottest desert sandstorms nor the iciest arctic blizzards discourage him. He must be a dragonologist for all seasons. Dr. Ernest Drake, Letters to a Young Dragonologist Rain had smudged the edges, and water was puddling in the heart-shaped pad. But to the practiced eye, the dragon claw print was unmistakable. The foreclaws had left three long, light impressions, while the single hindclaw had gouged a deep hole in the wet sand. I stood up quickly and beckoned to my sister, then squatted down again out of sight. Beatrice's skirt dragged across the ground like a wet mop, and her boots squelched noisily as she crept alongside me. "'How could I have missed that?' she exclaimed, shaking her head. "'I think it's still fresh,' I said. "'It doesn't look fresh. The edges have fallen in.' "'That's the rain.' I pointed to the middle of the print. "'It can't have been here long, or the pad would have filled up with water.' Beatrice bent down to examine the track more closely. "'It's not close by, Daniel. I can't smell sulphur.' I knew the pungent odour of dragons as well as Beatrice did, and she was right. Now that we had found the first claw print, it was easy to see a line of them, showing where the dragon had walked along the footpath for about fifty yards, before heading into the trees on the right. I touched Beatrice's shoulder. Why do you think a dragon risked leaving tracks on a footpath? Perhaps it thought they would get washed away. More probably it's a trap, and it's waiting to ambush us, I said. We left the path and made our way carefully uphill through the trees, following a trail of flattened heather. A pine trunk bore fresh scratches where the dragon had stopped to sharpen its claws, before climbing onwards onto the scrubby grass and bare rock of the mountain peak. Here the rain had turned to whirling snow, and there was no protection from the bitter wind. I saw something flying overhead and fumbled for my binoculars. "'It's not a dragon, is it?' said Beatrice. "'No, it's a buzzard. I can see the stripes on its tail. But what is it doing out in this weather?' It wasn't long before we came across a pile of bloody bones and a torn fleece. It was the remains of a predator's meal, and judging by the incisor marks on the skull, which had been cracked open like a walnut, it was obviously the work of a dragon. Beatrice bent over the remains and placed her hand on the fleece. As soon as she touched it, she pulled her hand back and let out a gasp. "'What are you doing?' I cried. "'The fleece is freezing,' said Beatrice. "'I expected it to be warm,' yet from the look of it, the dragon has only just finished eating. Gingerly, I lifted up the fleece. It was frozen so solid that I felt like I was picking up a thick sheet of ice. "'The effects of a frosty blast,' said Beatrice knowingly. I nodded. As I looked up, I spotted a dark opening in the cliffs beneath the summit of the rapidly whitening mountain. "'Look, Bee,' I said, "'a cave mouth!' Beatrice dropped into a crouch, pulling me down with her. "'Let's find out if anyone's at home,' she whispered. We worked our way along the bottom of the cliff, keeping the blizzard at our backs, and found another, larger pile of bones. 
A strong reek of sulfur confirmed this to be a dragon's lair. I felt my heart begin to thud. Did you bring any treasure? I whispered hopefully. Beatrice shook her head anxiously. I thought you said you were going to bring the treasure this time. I couldn't find anything. I shot her a guilty look. Beatrice folded her arms. What about your dragon whistle? This could be a matter of life or death. My hand felt for the thick chain around my neck. My dragon whistle had been a precious gift from the master of Hong Wei Temple in China. I would do anything rather than give it away. Beatrice had been given her own whistle, but there was no chance she would give hers up. Not when I was supposed to have provided the treasure. I thought for a moment, then an idea came to me.